Welcome to the sag After Foundation's Conversations podcast. The sag After Foundation believes that contributions made to our culture by performing arts are not only valuable, but also essential. And so we provide free programming and services like this podcast to support them. If you'd like to learn more about the sag After Foundation or access the full library of our conversations or make a donation to support this podcast, please visit sagaftra.foundation. That's www.sagaftra.foundation. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SAGAFTRAFOUND. Thanks, and enjoy the conversation. Hey, good evening. Uh, my name is Chanel Riley. Thank you. I'm so thrilled to welcome you to this conversation with Christopher Maloney. Uh, this is an actor most of us probably came to know for his 12 seasons on Law & Order SVU, but literally has played everything from an insane chef to a vampire leader to a bounty hunter during the Underground Railroad. He is, of course, an Emmy nominee and perhaps more impressively, a Celebrity Jeopardy champion. <laughs> Please welcome Christopher Maloney. <laughs> By the way, I am not being glib because not only did you win on Celebrity Jeopardy, didn't you beat Sam Waterson? Damn right I did. <laughs> I was playing possum during the warm-ups. But, but, but Katie Irby was so pissed off at me. Really? Oh my For God. beating her? Huh? For beating her? Was she Yeah, she, she, she looked at me. <laughs> she looked at me because there's a break between regular Jeopardy and Super Duper Jeopardy. She goes, I know what you're doing. I know. <laughs> Well, I guess that puts an answer to the question, into the question for once and for all that SVU is better than the OG Law and Order. I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> Are you I thought you were going to put watching? the rest of the question whether you're dumb or not, and I just thought, no, <laughs> pretty, pretty smart. Well, no, it, it was impressive because I remember in the '90s, Sam went on that show and was like one of the all-time highest-scoring winners. So, what can I tell you? You came, you came in and broke it. It ain't your daddy's jeopardy, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this is a SAG audience, so I always, I always like to start. Hey, by Saggers. Yeah. <laughs> SAG AFTRA, actually, now. Hey, AFTRAers. Yeah. Um, how did you get your SAG card? You know. That is such. I just had this conversation with my son. It was. It's such a fucking catch twenty two, isn't it? How do you get your SAG card? You have to get a job. How do you get a job? Well, you have to be SAG. <laughs> so I was lucky enough. Um, a, a casting director, God bless her, whose name I forget now, and I apologize. It's uh, you know old age. Um, just she, she gave she gave me an under five. And that was it, and I guess you know, you could pay in. You got my after, and I could pay mm-hmm. in and get my SAG, and that's it. Was it on a soap opera? I yeah. Think I heard? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of. I mean, like soap operas sometimes get a bad rap because they make them so fast. That is like one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Well, you know, I didn't have that problem. I just had under five. But I saw. <laughs> I saw everybody else, like you know. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I want to go back and start at the beginning. I believe you were born in Washington, D.C.? Yes. You didn't have any family in the business or any Hollywood connections. No. When were you drawn to acting? Um, 
I don't, you know, I don't know. My father played piano. Uh, you know, I think he always had that thing. Um, uh, my grandfather, my uncle, always were the new gadgetry of these these home movie cameras, and yeah, maybe that had a little thing. Uh, my sister went to Tufts University. She made, she was a theater major, and she did she did uh, theater in high school, but I wasn't a theater type person. Um, did she pursue acting? She did uh, uh, through, but no, just through college. And then you know, I always asked her why, or I did ask her, and she said, you know, I saw what the life was. She said, no way. Yeah. I thought that was you know, and I didn't quite understand it because she was so passionate about it. Yeah. Now I understand it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was it, uh, and I, you know, I took a class, an elective. Uh, at University of Colorado. Uh, your sister, um, how did she feel about you pursuing acting, and, and what does she do now? Oh, she's a social worker. She's oh, she, wow. she's saving the world, and I couldn't be more proud yeah. of her. You know, she's found her true passion. Um, uh, so that's great. Uh, she couldn't be more happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she. Yeah, she always come whenever she comes to visit. She she breaks out her shirt. I'm Chris's sister. <laughs> yeah. She actually had a shirt made that says yeah. that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know if it was a metaphorical shirt. No, or... no. <laughs> um, and I believe when you were at college, you were playing football and acting? I didn't play football in you college. Okay. No, high school. At what point did you realize you wanted to do this for a career? Um, I graduated, well, I took a lot of classes in, 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 in college, and I took as many as I could. You can't take anymore. If you want to take more, you have to be a BFA. And I didn't want to stay an extra year in college. So I said, forget that, I'll, I'll be a history major with a lot of acting courses. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the you job just... offers came pouring in. <laughs> uh, and I actually quit school uh, after my two and a half years, uh, and I took my motorcycle to Hollywood to be discovered. <laughs> and uh, I knew that was not going to happen, or it would be a longer road than I thought when I walked into a... Uh, agent's office uh, with uh, a leather jacket and bug guts <laughs> splattered against it, uh, beard, uh, long hair, and uh, she said, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'd like to be an actor. <laughs> and she said, she said, doesn't everyone? <laughs> and she said, why don't you just leave your picture and resume? And I said, okay, what's a resume? <laughs> True story. <laughs> So maybe I'm not that smart. <laughs> Waterston was having an off day. Yeah. <laughs> Did you stay in Hollywood? Because I, I heard you no. studied with Stanford Meister. No, I slept in the park. Uh, MacArthur Park, is it? Yeah. I slept in a park one night. Uh, went up to, I stayed here for about uh, a week or two, two weeks. No, I stayed here a month. Oh, God. It's like going back to Nam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Bad behavior, just really unfocused. So sad. Look, I'm just, a long story short is I went back home. Then back to Colorado, got my degree. Now in I, history? In history. So now I'm really back home. You've graduated. Congratulations. Go off into the world. I'm home. And for the first time in my life, all I've ever done is construction. And I'm out. And that was during summer. It's nice to be outside mm -hmm. in the summer. There I am, mid-February, <laughs> driving nails through a driving rainstorm. 
just going, what the fuck? <laughs> and I'm really depressed because I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I don't know, right? I, uh, I, I apply to graduate schools for poli-sci, uh, rejected by all of them. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> And I called an old high school friend of mine. I said, uh, this is literally, I literally said, John, what are you doing with your life? And I couldn't believe it. He said, I'm going up to New York to study acting. <laughs> I go, great, so am I. What, where are you going? <laughs> and, you know, went to the neighborhood playhouse. And I called the neighborhood playhouse that day. He said, well, you know, for the summer session, you know. And, and uh, so he's, the guy on the other end said, well, you can come up an interview, and I said, I'll be up there tomorrow. Trump Airlines. No. $20. My man. He'll make a great president. Um, Got my ass in New York. Did he really have an airline? Yeah, Trump Air. Did, right? Right. Yeah. Thank you very much. Does it still exist? No. no I didn't what think do you? So, yeah. What do you think? Yeah, exactly. Have you had a Trump steak lately? Anyway, I digress. Um, so anyway, uh, I went up and uh, you know, I, I mean, I wanted so desperately to. I wanted direction. I just wanted something other than staying with my mother in the house. I was just like, I was dying. And my mother told me later, she goes, I was so worried about you. She said, you were like a caged lion. Mm-hmm. I just, oh, it was horrible. So uh, I'm sitting there like this. And the, the guy from across the desk, and I thought it was like a normal conversation, he just goes, okay, you need to calm down. <laughs> <laughs> Please let me in. So, so anyway, they let me in. Uh, and did you have any idea, you know, what the neighborhood playhouse was and how significant this was? No, I knew nothing. Um, I, I didn't. But, you know, I did a little bit of research and I understood, you know, that it was Stanislavski. And, you know, because what I was being taught at the University of Colorado, I mean, God bless them, maybe they've gotten better. But the theater department was, you know, not, you know, it's not yeah. up there with Northwestern or Juilliard. Yeah. And um, so, but I knew enough that... They were giving me sticks and stones to fight something that I knew I needed better weaponry with. But I knew how to handle the sticks and stones. But mm-hmm. I knew that, yeah, but that, that's, this, is, this is nothing. You, I knew how much I didn't yeah. know. So, uh, yeah. So I studied the Meisner technique. And how long were you there? I did the summer session. They uh, uh, invited me for the two-year program. I could not go back to eight hours a day of school. Mm. I couldn't do it. Um, so I took classes at night and was a bouncer and a bartender and a, tra- I mean, basically anything I could, uh, I was making $40 a night as a bouncer. You try living in Manhattan on $40 a night. <laughs> this is my roommate. This is my roommate. And that's my roommate. Yeah. <laughs> this is our flat, you know, and I mean like this. Yes. <laughs> it literally was, we had a 400 square foot. We had a 400 square foot. Jeez apartment me uh, a guy and his girlfriend and another guy it was you know it, it, it was like a Marx Brothers comedy with sex yeah. I, you know with everyone sleeping over each other I don't know Day at the Opera whatever it was is, that image strikes me by the way what happened to your friend John who also went to study there 
He's now a radiologist. Get out! Yeah, he stayed. He really tried. He he stuck with it for yeah. uh, into his late thirties, early forties. He tried and he tried and. Yeah. I thought you were going to tell me at some point, like, and that man was John Houseman. Or something. I was like, wait. Do I look that old? <laughs> I know, good point. I couldn't think of another That man was Gregory Peck. <laughs> Gregory, what are you doing? I love your ascot. <laughs> I couldn't think of another John for oh, some reason. Oh, oh Gregory. <laughs> Um, I have a question from the audience, uh, but from Johnny Diaz, um, because I'm sure during this time you were auditioning a lot. Um, <laughs> Johnny, <laughs> Johnny, what are you doing with your life? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, uh, that's what it's boiled down to. Go. He says, I recall listening to an old interview where you mentioned you weren't the best at auditioning and wished you had gotten training earlier in your career. How did you improve your audition technique and what have you learned through your experiences that worked for worked best for your auditioning process? There's a fine line. This is for me. You know, I, I, um, everybody catches things in a different way and everyone takes in information in a different way through what exact words are used. So I apologize if... Whatever I'm trying to mean doesn't come through, but I was always taught that you do all your preparation and then you leave it at the door and you just go in. And when I did that, I would leave everything at the door. He's a really high energy guy. Yeah, no, I am high energy. So I would leave everything. And so it took me the longest time to understand what engagement, purpose, intention, but relaxation and the correct relaxation is. Because you can be very intense and still be very relaxed. And, you know, I think it has a lot to do. I remember, you know, hearing Cranston talking about, you know, if you're going in and you're looking for the job, you know, you've already kind of screwed yourself. You know, just go back to your basics. What is it that you do? You know, go back to your training. So that's how it has helped me. And I'm actually, you know, I, for the first time, 55, it's the first time I can say, you know, I can, uh, I can audition now. Really? I mean, it's a skill. Sorry, is that sad? <laughs> Sorry, you 30-somethings. <laughs> well, the irony is you probably don't have to audition now. Well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I do, yeah. Really? Yeah. When was the last time you auditioned? Oh, God, really? You're going to ask me that? <laughs> oh, you know, I, uh, I, 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 how about this? Just got it, too. Uh, <laughs> So I'm not talking bullshit, right? You know, I'm relaxed. I go in. I got the job. Uh, Amy Schumer movie. Oh, that's great. Yeah, okay. have you heard of her? <laughs> She's an up and comer. Uh, yeah, Amy Schumer uh, in Hawaii. You know anyone who's from Hawaii? Oh, maybe one. Yeah, girl. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah uh, I went in there. Just it was great. Went in there. Knew what the guy was, had fun. And that's the other thing is, and this was another mistake I made. 
at the beginning, I would complicate my life immeasurably by going, what is it that they want? Because you read the dopey ass thing. He's a man obsessed. That's some guy in the back office. Just read it. If a word hits you going, oh, it's kind of go, oh, I got it. And then you read the text. You're like, ah, that's what that is. Because it will happen, right? You'll, you always got to hook yourself onto something, whatever it may be. Whether it is in that description, a thing in that description, or in the text, mm-hmm. or you know, uh, you know, a combination of it, but I would, I, I think I would always go, what is it that they're looking for? <laughs> right. Yeah, you can. It's like going out on a date. It's like, what do you want me to be? <laughs> I'll be that. <laughs> I'm good enough. <laughs> Doesn't work. Um, on the topic of auditions, we have a question from Olivia J. Fox. Um, wants to know what was your worst audition and how did you recover from it? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, we don't have enough time. <laughs> oh my god. I'll, I'll give you a couple. They're so good. One time I see my friend, and this is a true story, my buddy John. John, what are you doing with your life? That John walking down the street. John, I swear to God, John's walking down the street in New York. I go, John, what are you doing? He goes, I'm going to an audition. I go, great, so am I. It's like deja vu all over again. So I, I follow him to an audition, like the back of, you know, Playbill or whatever yeah. the thing is. And uh, <laughs> it's a musical. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> so I go in there in a small little theater. They go, do you have a monologue? Of course I do. So I give them my monologue. And I, I had a very great monologue at that time. They go, do you mind singing a song? I go, not at all. I go, well, do you mind singing a cappella? I go, not if you don't mind telling me what a cappella means. <laughs> Same shit. I, I mean, right there, you see, you just feel the whole temperature yeah. of them go. Yeah. I mean, really, you just you know, letting the homeless off the street. And, so, and I sang, and this is like that. There's no business like show business like no business I know. Everything about it is appealing. Da 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 da. da. Swear to God. Thank you. Um, another time I did a, a theater, I went out on a theater audition. It was a hot new play out of Canada. Yeah, wait. Okay. <laughs> True, though. And it was like really playing. It, was, it had a good run uh, in the lower, uh, in the East Village. And um, so, you know, you have to, so you're going to run a scene with someone who's been doing the play for like three years. Mm-hmm. So they're running at breakneck speed, right? They've done the show a thousand times. You're sitting there going, you're trying to get into it and hit every beat. And they're just like, like oh my God, I, I can't even catch up with you. And I, was doing, and I was having a scene like this with her, you know, trying to get, con- make connection mm-hmm. and contact with her. And from the dark of the theater, you hear someone go, we're back here. We need to hear you. Just with this voice of. So. And I was like, not helpful. Yeah. God. But I mean, you must have been pretty good at it because you, you did start to work. You did start to book jobs. So sad. But it shows that there's hope. There really is hope for all of us. Yeah. 
I mean, really, I had no, tra- I mean, my training, everything about it is a miracle. There is a God. <laughs> I'm just going to sit here and think about my, how fortunate I am. It's compelling. Yeah. What was the question? Oh, well, I mean, you started to work quite a bit. I think the first movie I saw you in was Junior. With Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah. 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 What was that experience like? Uh, That was great. Those are always nerve-wracking. You know when you get those bit parts? So you want to make a statement. You want to make it right, but you want to blend in. But you, you know, there's so many you wannas, and you have you have that much. And go. Thank you. Next. And you know, no no attention is paid to you, or you know, get there at 8 a.m. You know, we're not going to use at 10 p.m. We're not going to use you today. Come back again tomorrow. All these things kind of you know throw yeah. off your rhythms and. Yeah, that was tough. So what do you kind of consider your big break into the industry? I mean, I'm, I, I'm guessing Oz, but... What I consider was when I felt... Um, it's almost like the wave. You feel, you go, and you don't want to believe it, you know? Because yeah. <laughs> unemployment sucks so much. <laughs> but that sense of... I'm being pulled along and it gives you a sense of confidence and you start to believe you can ride the wave. And this I couldn't believe. So David Milch, right, NYPD Blue, offered me a role as a a Westie type, a Westie's Irish mobster guys in New York City. He offered me and it was an arc. Um, How did he know you? That to this day, it's a mystery to me. I don't know. Because uh, my memory is so bad, I'm wondering, did I, I don't know. I don't think I did homicide before then. I also did homicide. But it was those two things. Homicide, because I played a bounty hunter who was like really snappy and, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, basically thumbing his, his, his nose at the cops, the, the established homicide detectives on the show. And, uh, but the David Milch thing was, it was huge. I got to play and his words were Shakespearean. And, and one time, my, one of my fondest memories was he he came down and he's pulling at his hair going yeah you know we need we need a line you open the door and and she comes we need a line for you and I go how about if I'm making a drink and I say you think it unmanly of me that I'm partial to pina coladas (laughs) and he goes yeah that's good that's good that's really good like the talking meat came with an idea Fine wines for a thousand, please, Alex. <laughs> so, did uh, the work on NYPD Blue lead directly to Oz? Um, no, I th- you know I think Homicide kind of kind of mostly more w- mm-hmm. was that, and uh, that was also an offer, which uh, Homicide was and Oz was, and you know, so you started to feel. I feel started to feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, that's um, interesting. We had a question here, but I guess I'll scrap it because it was about the process of landing the role. But it sounds like they just offered it to you. <laughs> the process of landing what role? Uh, on Oz. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was such an amazing. I don't want to make it sound like they're dead, but that is such an amazing ensemble. I mean, you have J.K. Simmons and right. Dean Winters. Yeah. And, all these amazing actors. What yeah. was it like to, you know, be in that environment? It was fantastic. A bunch of guys, uh, very hungry, 
Um, and, and, you know, there's something special about New York, um, and I love L.A., but there's, you know, it, it's, you really have, um, hunger, there's a hunger and a desperation. I mean, you know, you know, I think it has to do with the weather or something, you know, I'm, I don't know what it is. And uh, there was a sense of seriousness and purpose and, mm-hmm. and it was uh, camaraderie. It was very lovely. And then, um, actually, the first time that I really stood up and took notice was uh, you played Julia Roberts's fiance in Runaway oh, Bride. Right. Yes, I mean that, that is, was huge. Yeah, I mean it's a love triangle with you, Julia Roberts, and Richard Gere, basically. Yes. <laughs> how did that happen? Yeah. Uh, how did that happen? Uh, so I auditioned and I did really well. You know, I, I you know, I, again, I, I felt as though. I knew the guy. I knew I, I knew who he was, and um, called back in a hotel room. Julia Roberts will be there, right? So I'm playing off Julia Roberts, and we do the first scene, and that's it. And uh, uh, Gary Marshall is taping the proceedings, mm-hmm. and after we do the scene, Julia goes, "Well, aren't you just the cutest thing?" Oh. <laughs> I was like. You- I picked a better thing to say at a better time. <laughs> that made me laugh. I loved her. I've I mean, loved her ever since. That was a big movie. Yeah. You know, with big stars, did very well, and you had a great part. Great I mean, did, part. You, did you find it changed your career at all? No, I was actually so shocked that it didn't. Yeah. I was. <laughs> we're all a little delusional, yeah. right? <laughs> world this is me and the world is doing that it's surprising i mean and, and i laughed i laughed first of all let me say this it was one of the hardest jobs i ever had to do because comedy on a, a commercial it, and the place that you play because you know who the the two mcgillas are yeah and you have to be right down the middle and you're playing a guy who the audience should feel for root for but not overly root so that ge- the gear character's knocked out. But do you know what I mean? You, yeah. But you also have to be able to recognize, like, you know, God, he's so nice, but the, he doesn't belong with Julia. Yeah. You know, you need kind of, so, you know, and you can't overanalyze it too much, but, you know, <laughs> they're, they're like I'm doing right now. Um, but where was I? <laughs> Did you uh, turn to Bill Pullman? Oh, yeah, I didn't go anywhere. <laughs> That's what it was. Oh, That yeah. was a theme. <laughs> I was shocked. I'm getting so animated now. I need a drink. <laughs> Nothing happened. And I, and I really, and uh, at first, uh, I, I didn't get angry or anything like that, but I was, if anything, I really laughed at myself. Yeah. And it was a great education of, oh, it's, it's always something. It's your, your, this is not your fairy tale. Yeah. Uh, you know, your fairy tale is going to be, well, you may not have a fairy tale, but it's, uh, <laughs> This ain't your fairy tale. <laughs> Move on. But at the same time, um, I guess it was before that movie came out, you had booked Law and Order? Had I? I think so. I mean, they, 1999, they both came out. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> Do you remember? No. <laughs> well, obviously, that show changed your life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. Yeah. About the fifth year in, I I really had a feeling this thing was going to go. <laughs> I really did. I really did. 
that's how traumatized we are internally yeah. from this journey of acting. You know, that's why we hoard the craft service. <laughs> Dan Flork, the captain. Really? Toilet paper hoard? under his arm. Sailor. Every day. Did, did they wrap Dan Flork? Yeah. I know where you can find him. <laughs> In fairness to him, they did push him off one previous Law & Order show. So yep. maybe he had reason <laughs> There you go, concerned. right? Snake bit once. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting because I know you were doing Oz. Sorry, Dan, I apologize. <laughs> Me too. Um, I know he's watching. Yeah. Not televised? <laughs> him and uh, Sam Watterson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jazz greats for a thousand, please, Alex. <laughs> So you were doing Law and & Order and uh, Oz at the same time. And it's pretty yes. common now for actors to bounce between shows. But back then, it really wasn't. Um, in addition to which, these are two difficult roles that go to some really dark places. Mm-hmm. I mean, how did you disconnect at the end of the day? Or, or did you take it home with you? Uh, God, I hope not. <laughs> you know, I, I've told this story before. I um, About um, six months six months into... Um, SVU, because um, <clears throat> that really was, especially the first and second year, um, you know, 18-hour days, they're not uncommon. You, you get up, you're like that, that commercial, get up and make the donuts, time to make the donut. And I, and I, I had a, a newborn coming and all that. At any rate, I woke up and I, I started, I was on the edge of my bed and I started shaking uncontrollably. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, I, I think I'm having an emotional breakdown. I had uh, out of body experience, kind mm-hmm. of. And I said, okay, let's not panic. Let's just see what this is. And it was very, all these emotions were coming up. And it was a, a dark and scary and weird. I'm like, you know, and yet I'm on the outside going, this is very interesting. <laughs> You're going to have to remember this one. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm like, this. <laughs> um, and it passed, uh, you know. Two minutes, three minutes, whatever, and I sat there again for another two minutes just to make sure it wasn't going to, you know, come back. And that happened again, um, you know, whatever, a couple months later. But that was it, and that was that was all that ever happened. But um, so the SVU experience was was pretty intense. I mean, you would go from one horrible crime yeah. to the next, and I got to tell you, the female writers were the worst ones. Really, you dark. <laughs> you ladies are dark. <laughs> I, mean, I really, it would, it would go to some. He did what to her? Um, so anyway, yeah, that. Uh, but I was very lucky. I knew, I knew how lucky I was doing Oz and uh, SVU at mm-hmm. the same time. I was really. Um, I don't think I've ever been happier. I would. You know, especially you know, uh, starting with Oz. I remember getting. I'd ride my bicycle. There I was, riding my bicycle to the stages to do Oz, you know, groundbreaking and all that. And I, and I, and I remember this, the first time, because Oz is when it started to happen. Oh, really? I'm riding my bike, and someone goes, Chris! So I stop my bike. Who's going to call you Chris? But someone you know. <laughs> I turn, and it's a guy who goes, hey. <laughs> that was the first time I went, Oh, and it started happening and happening, you know, and my wife at this time, she would spend time in L.A. because L.A. and New York, you know, she was back and forth. And I called her. I said, 
and now the second year, right? Oz has been seen. It's out there. I goes, I go, some weird shit's going down. <laughs> she goes, is that, what does that mean? I go, you'll find out when you get here. So we're, she, she comes, you know, she's going to stay for a month or so, and we're hanging out, just strolling through the East Village or whatever. And everywhere we go, yo, Chris, people yelling out that you're driving by in the car, yo, and all this shit, right? And she just turns me like, shit's getting real. I'm like, yep, shit's getting real. That actually surprises me only because I think people, if they recognize you from Oz, would run the other way. They loved it. Because I don't think there had been anything like it on TV. Yeah. I think there was a, a this explosion of, of freedom, of of you know, holy cow! You're going to show that, and yeah. it's, I don't know what it is, whether it's cathartic or whether uh, I don't I don't know. But people really connected. Uh, yeah, really connected. And it's funny, you know, both those, both us for you and and Oz. What was interesting is to have such a, a large stage, you know, television, to have a large stage, and the. Uh, Communication, the connection, and attendant with that, the pain that you would get from the gay community of a certain age, you know, uh, which you got in the Brokeback Mountain mm. kind of generation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The really suppressed, repressed that could not, and all of a sudden you had a you know omnisexual guy, you know, who wasn't fay or you know wasn't fay. You know, he was just a guy. So I get a lot of that. And then the SVU thing, you know, how many survivors of, uh, you know, that was. Yeah. So, you know, you, uh, that was also above my pay grade to when I f- first got hit with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think everyone on Oz got along really well because I remember J.K. Simmons telling yeah. me a story about going to a baseball game with, like, someone who was his mortal enemy on the show and it was freaking people out. <laughs> Yeah. Why is the head of the skinheads with that guy? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we go to boxing in in Las Vegas because HBO is all tied into boxing. All skinheads and (laughs) one big happy family. (laughs) We're working actors. Yes. Um, I have a question from Jeff. Um, Wants to know. Hi, Jeff. We all want to know what was it like to work with Mariska Hargitay? (laughs) Oh, she's not here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Mariska, you know, that is a, a relationship that, um, you know, that uh, it defies kind of description. It was very, uh, <clears throat> it was deep. It was deeper than I thought. You know, it's, it's a relationship that I uh, continue to appreciate and almost kind of grows uh, in appreciation. Um, you know, when we first auditioned together, we, we screen tested together. You know, it's instant chemistry. You know, I was telling her a joke, telling her a story, and we walk into a room full of suits and go, hey, we'll be right with you. So anyway, so then the guy, and, you know, I realized that was part of it. They were like, oh, you know, he doesn't give a shit, and they, they both like each other so yeah. much that, it, you know, yeah, I think that uh, that worked, but you know she's very um, she's very open, very open person. Uh, was will, always willing to learn and understand. You know, she she was uh, pretty uh, aware of what she didn't know, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and you know she wanted to know everything, wanted to learn everything. So I mean, consequently, I think she directs now. Yeah. Da 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 da. 
Um, I'm curious if the writers or producers ever talked to you about your guys' relationship because, you know, um, speaking as someone who was there, like, I just really wanted that to happen. Ain't gonna happen. <laughs> you can't do that. I mean, I don't know. You was know. there ever talk of maybe trying or? Lord knows we practiced. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. kidding. Uh, No, you know, there was no way. Because, look, I was there during the uh, Neil Bear uh, era. And, you know, his mantra, I believe, I don't want to speak with Neil, Neil, but I have it under uh, reliable sources that. Anyway, yeah, he did. He wanted to keep the uh, ten, the, that tension, the Stabler-Benson uh, tension, obviously. Can't cross that line, but you can always get close to it. And I'll give you a great example. When, I don't know, are you guys familiar with the show? <laughs> okay. So Benson, Mariska Hargitay's character, saves my wife while she's pregnant, rushes her, and gives birth. And I'm getting choked up thinking about this. Hold on. So, in we're in the hospital, and jeez, uh, I, I still remember it like it was yesterday. And we were trying to work out the blocking, and I said, "We need to hug, and we will hug because the director had it blocked in uh, mm-hmm. some other way." I, I was like, "No," I go, "We're gonna hug." And I go, it has to be spontaneous, and it has to be, whoops, this outpouring of of everything that, over all these years, that has never been uh, spoken Mm -hmm. or physically acted on. So there was, you know... A depth and a, a little sexuality to it, but a, a you know it's something that went beyond that. At least as far as my interpretation was concerned, and uh, I think it worked out even better than I could have hoped for. I mean, but, but it's a good it's a good acting yeah. thing of when you're very clear about your intention, then you you know you don't worry about anything else. You just so. You're so sure of your rightness and the character's rightness of that moment. And I just think it registers. And you know the character so well. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's not like I'm going to make too many mistakes after 10 years of playing the same guy. (laughs) I think you should walk like this. (laughs) With or without the gun. (laughs) Was it ever hard to keep it fresh after 12 seasons? I had the most horrible experience in about season eight, and that was the yell action. And the scene is me to run from there to there, take cover, see the bad guy, and then back up, and now I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do. Cut. So that's the scene. So they go, okay, go to your one, okay, action. I run, hit my two, look, oh, this bad guy, okay, what am I gonna do? Cut. I'm playing cops and robbers. <laughs> the pe- the veil dropped. Yeah. And I went, oh, fuck. And I knew in that moment, I went, you just made your life so much harder. <laughs> and from that point on, mm-hmm. it now it took me energy. Mm-hmm. Now I had, I used to, all, I used to be, I would just, I would go to work. I'd have game face, ready to roll. I could even be fucking around and, you know, goofing around. And people would talk, you know, and roll it, go. 
You're ready to roll, right? Because you, you've done it, you got it, you know, you're locked into that groove. Now all of a sudden, I go, I'm locked into playing cops and robbers. I, it took me an extra thing. And um, actually, there's a question. I know it's so hard. Uh, <laughs> um, Wendy has a question that I was going to ask, but she put it best. Um, Wendy! How, <laughs> how hard was it to walk away from Law & Order? Um, <laughs> it was, uh, 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 how hard was it? Well, how the negotiations were handled was were ham-handed. Um, so it made it rather, I think, unseemly and abrupt. But with, but it's not a oh, oh let's blame someone, you know. Uh, when it it was, it's done. We're going to part ways. I went, okay, good. That's good. This is going to be really hard. Uh, but I was prepared. But you're never prepared. But you know, you do what you do. And it's been, um, the flip side of that has been, it, it's been everything I wanted it to be. Yeah. I've done all of these different uh, acting roles and there've been adventures and meeting people and working with different people. I mean, it, it, it's been fantastic. It's just, um, you know, how it was done, I've always just gone, well, could have been done better. Yeah. You know, because I know, I know, you know, because I, I do feel people invest 12 years of their lives to follow these people. And then it's just like, see ya. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, you can't do that. No. So, see ya. Um, at the same time, even while you were on Law & Order, you were <clears throat> doing other things. And, and I think most significantly, obviously, Wet Hot American Summer mm-hmm. was something people did not expect from you. <laughs> or anyone, for that matter. <laughs> they never saw it. it was, they never expected to see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I remember going to see it and being like, the guy from Law & Order is humping a fridge. Like, this is really, <laughs> this is really weird. And? <laughs> And talking to a can of vegetables. Appliances for a thousand, please, Alex. <laughs> I mean, but was that part of the joy, doing something that, yeah. you know, avoiding that typecasting? Yeah. And how did they even think of you for that? I went in, I went in on the audition. You're kidding. Yeah, it's one of the rare times that I, um, it was one of the rare times yeah. that uh, I heard the guy in there before me doing it. <laughs> as, as, in the, as in the waiting room, I went... It's not the character. Really? Yeah, I got it's not the guy. And I walked in there and I gave him what, and I knew who the guy was. And it's one of those, and it goes to the point of, I knew who the character was. If you don't understand that, it's your loss. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I'll give you the reverse of that. I auditioned for Matrix. Really? The Hugo Weaving role. Ooh. I went in there. And I'd worked with the, the Wachowskis before. And they, so they were helping me. And I, I, knew I, I knew I wasn't giving them quite what they wanted. Thank you. We'll see you. Great to see you. Never done this before. Called up my agent. I go, I know what they want. I know what they want. Get me back in there. Get me back in there. I went back in there. I did a very good job. Didn't give me the role. I'm sitting in the theater watching Matrix. And I felt so good to go. Oh, yeah, there's the guy. Right. That's the character. <laughs> I was good. I was okay. That's the guy. And you're, you're completely into, like, the, the inverse of it. You're like, oh, I, I'm satisfied. Yeah. You won. You beat me. 
Do you think the guy ahead of you at Wet Hot American Summer saw the movie and was like, ah, what? <laughs> that's the guy. Why didn't I do that? One can only hope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should have been stupider. <laughs> That movie is so beloved and because has become such a classic. I think a lot of people don't realize it was it did not do well when it came out. Um, that's putting it mildly. One weekend. Yeah, I know at one theater in Westwood, I was there. And someone pulled a fire alarm in the middle of it. Someone pulled a fire alarm? Yes. Those bastards. They're just jealous. <laughs> Yeah, I was in New York at the time, so I was going to say, yeah, one one theater in the East Village. Wow. Um, but you probably didn't dwell on that too much, I'm guessing. Oh, no, not at yeah. all. As a matter of fact, I remember I went to the premiere. Oh, really? And I went, I don't understand this comedy. <laughs> and I wasn't judging it. I was just yeah. going, oh, uh, you know, Grandpa just don't get it no more. <laughs> I went, I went, this is a this is a new comedy. This is new. This is new. And so I sat back and I analyzed it, you know. Yeah. That's just how it was. I went, I go, oh, okay. Man. <laughs> I was like, all right. right. But don't don't think that when they asked me to do the the, the series, yeah. uh, I was all in. Because I yeah. I love them and yeah. I, I love working with it's just a great working environment. And I I I, I love the the structured anarchy. That's what I love that. Yeah, I love. That's what I love about comedy. Did the, when they? Um, I mean, I think it's such a testament to them and you know how how they work that everyone came back. You know, from you to Bradley Cooper, mm. they Amy Poehler, Bradley Cooper. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he was on Alias. Um, <laughs> Still haven't heard of him, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm sure he's very good. Did they? You, did you just say, you know, I'm in, or did they tell you anything about the character? Because we see a very different gene. Yeah, no, they had to actually call me in. I was like, what are they calling? You know, calling yeah. you to the principals? They go, sit down. We just want to talk to you about your character. And you know, have you guys seen it yet? Yes. It's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the series is really funny. I, I really. You I, got it this time. I did, and and I I thought about it long and hard, and I yeah. I feel that they, they you know, they're the movie was so out there <laughs> that I, for some, I feel as though they really got, got the powers of writing and directing and storytelling. I think I, I felt they honed it. They made it a little cleaner. Yeah. A little more uh, easy to digest for a wider audience, I guess. Were you surprised to see the origin story of Gene? I mean, he was so clean cut and in love. and <laughs> That's what I love about those guys. I couldn't have not ever have guessed yeah. the beginnings of that guy. All his hair. Yes. <laughs> glorious, glorious hair. Yeah. Um, uh, another thing I remember is, I mean, you did both Harold and Kumar movies, but the first time I could literally, I could literally spend an hour talking about Freak Show. I was obsessed with this guy. Come on, stop. <laughs> um, how did that come to you? Did you and did you sort of develop that character with him? Um, that was I was doing SVU, and uh, my agent called with the perfect phone call, which is this: I have an offer. That's awesome. <laughs> um, it's a comedy. Good. It works four days. It will require four hours of prosthetic makeup. And your character's name is Freak Show. Yeah. I was like, I don't even need to read the script. Where, where am I flying to? Yeah. 
So we get there, they put me, they uh, do the testing, the oh, prosthetic God. test. Fantastic. <laughs> I go, where are the teeth? They go, there are no teeth. And I, I said, guys, I'll pay for the teeth. There's n- you can't have these teeth yes. with that face. If you don't know who, who I'm talking about, check out Freak Show on uh, yeah, Harold and Kumar for the White Castle. You can't have that face, yeah. the, the boils and the, yeah. and the, and the with, with, these, with these teeth. You can't. Active boils, too. Is Active. Right? Yeah. They, were, they were erupting in the truck. Was there any improvising that took place during that scene, or was it all scripted? Yeah, no, I I, uh, I made up the song going down to Jordan. Oh, that was made up. Yeah, and I'm going to get baptized in the bosom of the Lord. And then um, in the I think in the special DVD where they look, you know, they're trying to f my wife. Yeah. And they go, you know, where's Freak Show? And I was out. <laughs> that was a song I made up. Um, Randy, what? The devil, what? Oh, the devil's everywhere. Randy, what? Alcohol, what? Oh, devil's everywhere. Randy, what? Crystal meth, what? Because he was, you know, had a substance abuse. He was always like trying to fight. So, you know, he went to the Lord to try and help him kick his addiction. <laughs> That's always funny, addicts. That's funny. No, 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 I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, yeah, that. And I also did. Um, yeah, there was a uh, when we drive to. I had written a whole, a whole monologue. What? And to their credit, they kept a lot of it in. But I wanted um, when I get to the to my house. I said, you know, don't we need a little, because you, you want me doing stuff. I think we need a little chuffa chuffa, as Gary Marshall would say. You need chuffa chuffa. So I wrote a whole thing about, um, oh shit, what was it? But I had my dog, so I had one of the prop guys holding onto a tire. I said, Skater, get off the goddamn tire! You know, trying to pull the tire out of his mouth. And so, you know, because I was in the bar, I said, Where are you? It was a monologue about UFOs and finding the Lord and all that stuff. And then they brought you back as a Klansman for the second one. Yes! <laughs> yes! And I, and again, um, I asked if, because uh, I thought it was funny if, uh, being a good Klansman, being a good racist, yes. <laughs> that he would have Tourette's. So oh, ins- instead of spouting out, you know, naughty, <laughs> naughty words, he would spit out racial epithets. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to repeat them, but trust me, I was so uncomfortable, you know, yeah. with certain crew members. <laughs> like, I don't mean it personally. <laughs> But anyway, they, they, you know, I would blurt out and burp out racial epithets. <laughs> I also have, had him gave me, give me a, a, a lazy eye yeah. that looked out that way. <laughs> well, it's not, you can't just have a normal uh, contact lens. It has to be the supersized, like this. Mm-hmm. I have eye phobia. I don't like anything or anyone touching my eyes. Like, you know, I'm the guy who uses, uses half a, a bottle to try and get it. It's like carpet bombing. I just try and find it. So they had an uh, ophthalmologist assistant because you know when you when you blink, first you had to put it in. And then every time you blink your eyes as anyone who wears contacts, it it rotates. So this thing 
at the beginning it would look that way. <laughs> but after three blinks, it's pitch perfect. So they're like, the joke's gone. So they'd have to get the girl in there to go, okay. Oh. okay. I felt like Dustin Hoffman in Marathon Man. <laughs> Is it safe? Is it safe? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I'll be okay. <laughs> uh, this ties into Rhonda's question. Um, uh, Hi. After SVU, were you concerned about typecasting or expecting a lull in your professional work? You always expect a lull, yeah. or at least I do. I'm, I'm, I'm an actor. <laughs> um, no, uh, the typecasting. And I have no idea why. I just always, I'll say this though. I was always very uh, cognizant of when I was doing it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to be a brand. I didn't want to, I wanted to be seen as an actor. That's what it was. You know, people, you know, you're a B-list celebrity. They'll, you know, they'll, they'll call me a D-list celebrity, something like that. Like, you know, to hurt my feelings or something, I'm like... Celebrity is the worst thing you could have called me. D, D, or C. I don't care, but I'm not a celebrity. So that's not what I do. You know, I, so I didn't because I always thought of myself as an actor willing, mm -hmm. to, willing to go and do anything that, that appealed to me. And not I didn't want to be famous, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I didn't want to hold on to, you know, I don't know, a fame. Mm -hmm. Like you don't exist if you're not famous. That's, yeah. that's not in my view. Um, and not long after leaving SVU, you joined the cast of True Blood. Yeah. Uh, were you looking to do another series, or no. was it? <laughs> no. Okay, that was a dirty ploy. I'm gonna I'm going now to admit that right now. <laughs> they built me up like a new series regular, right? They did the bait and switch. Yeah. <laughs> and I was sad. I, I kept really? going up. To, oh, I kept going up to Alan Ball. Alan, hear me out. <laughs> Kill me off. That's fine. But I have an identical twin. <laughs> You just, just not. <laughs> I always have big ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Another show with a great ensemble, though. Oh, it's fantastic. Yeah. I, lo I loved them. Um, they were very welcoming and warm. No, but I, I did not want to be on another series. It was, mm -hmm. uh, you know, having done SVU, it, you know, it, you really were uh, locked out of your home. Yeah. Uh, the house cat. And I know you were, you know, uh, very busy in the film world. You were doing Man of Steel, yes. for example, which um, that's got to be like every actor's dream to be in a Superman movie. You got to do it. Well, movie. you got to do it. Yeah. You got to do it. Matter of fact, Alfred, but you, you know, but it's funny because Alfred Molina, I talked to Alfred Molina, right? He was on SVU for one episode and he did, he was Doc Ock. Yeah. One of the Spider-Man's. I go, dude, I go, you were awesome. And I was such a huge fan. Prick up your ears. Oh my mm. God. I'm a fat, gay, balding. I mean, oh, Alfred Molina. <laughs> Guy's off the hook. I've loved that guy for 40 years. Um, so where was it? Alfred Molina was Doc Ock and I said, dude, how was that? Because you were fantastic. Yeah. He goes, well, <laughs> try doing this 40 times. Can you get this? <laughs> how was that? Okay, a little to the left, because your real arm is blocking one of your eight octopi arms. Okay. 
<laughs> he just kept doing 40 times he had to do it because I guess of the CGI in such a way. And I went, oh, the tedium yeah. of it all because it's really, you're not acting you or you are acting, but you have post people mm-hmm. making decisions on your performance because mm-hmm. it's, you know, they have to do their job and connect it. So, you know, it's, it's just the nature of the beast. Did you never compare notes with uh, J.K. Simmons, who's also in the Superman, Spider-Man movies? God, was he good. Yeah. Yeah, but he didn't have any CGI. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just sat there. He got a real yeah. acting. He, yes, he exactly. was so funny, man. But you sort of did a Man of Steel, too. You got to, like, yeah. do the acting part. Yeah. Not so much the CGI part. No. <laughs> yeah. I just had to shoot at a, an alien that jumped 40 feet in the air, and I had to shoot at her. And that was it. That's the only thing I had to do. And I had to fall from a helicopter. Yeah, it uh, got hit. And we had to go down. Matter of fact, Zack Snyder, this was very interesting. This is where technology is. He goes, you want to see what you're going to do? And he showed me on his iPhone. He goes, yeah. He goes, I shot this last night. And, you know, it's this, you know, the light is going like this, and the stunt guy's in the helicopter going, auto, we're auto-rotating, we're auto-rotating. I mean, it's so intense. Yeah. I go, oh, shit, how did you do that? Oh, I just did that. Oh, my God. With his iPhone. It was fantastic. $300 million movie. Yep. Yeah. And, and you have the director going like that. It's amazing. Something else about Man of Steel. I mean, that's a movie that your kids can see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if... I'm trying to think of much of your repertoire. I don't know how old your kids are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, 12 and 15. Okay, so... Some was about nine, but then, yeah. I don't know if they've been able to see much of your work. Sit down, we cuddle up as a family, watch Oz all the time. (laughs) Don't judge me. I mean, do they get what you do? Nah. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, it's funny that uh, I did a, a little Nickelodeon movie, uh, uh, Stewie, a gym teacher, Dave Stewie, gym teacher. <clears throat> it was a first, uh, and I did it because I, I wanted to prove to my kids that I actually did yeah. a job for a living. <laughs> I was like really silly and, you know, sweet and funny and slapsticky. And yeah, that was nice. Well, they can watch Underground probably. Oh, man, they were locked in. Really? Absolutely locked in. It was fantastic. That's when I, I felt even better because there are a lot of issues, you know, the, the slavery issues and how society was constructed and what people were confronted with, mm-hmm. you know, on a moral uh, plane. It was really an educational and profound experience. I mean, you know, when my daughter, my daughter is like cool as ice, 15 years old. She's, you know, like that, smart. I see her curled up into a ball. She Mm -hmm. goes, why do they have to... Am I going to spoiler alert anyone? (laughs) Why do they have to stab your son? Crying. I went, oh, it hits you. Good. I mean, that's what you want. You want you know people to feel about all the characters. And I know it's a little different because it's ten, it was a ten episode season. Mm-hmm. But again, were you looking to come back to TV? Oh, ten episodes is awesome. <laughs> we did twenty four on, on SVU. Yeah. The usual is twenty two. You you would do twenty two, and then every day, every every season, twenty two, twenty two, and this is the time frame you get to do twenty two. 
halfway through, make it 24, <laughs> but in the same time frame. So you'd be double, double shooting, right? Mm -hmm. But it's great. So anytime you see Olivia or Elliot going on the phone going, hey, how's it going back at the station? I'm in Texas for another week. I'm off shooting another show. <laughs> but I'm being paid for that show as well. <laughs> awesome. I loved it. Uh, smell that? That's money. <laughs> um, underground is also very, it's, it's lauded for its specificity and mm. its historical accuracy. Um, did you do any special research to prepare for that role? Yeah, well, uh, special, no. I, I did a lot of reading. And you're very funny because it, they really went to great lengths, you know, uh, especially my costuming. Mm -hmm. uh, made the way that they made it with this, as close as they could get to the same type fabric. That was fantastic. The guns were for real. We had a long discussion about the guns. Uh, my knife uh, was made by a guy. You know, they got a lot of guys down there in Baton Rouge who are into this old world, yeah. authentic, you know, weaponry especially. <laughs> the one thing, and I knew it, I buy my son a baseball because there's a new game being invented called baseball, and I got him a mitt to go along with it. I had more people going, Dude, 1857, there are no mitts. <laughs> they had gloves. They had, like, gloves, like oh, lady gloves. Really? Yeah, yes. There was no such thing. Those mitts weren't around for another 30, 40 years. And I told the writer that. He goes, yeah, I know, but, you know, no, no one's going no to see that. Oh. It's the only thing anyone nitpicked, <laughs> nitpicked on me. Yeah. I don't think that writer's on Twitter. <laughs> Because uh, that's where everything gets nitpicked to death. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> it is like a, it's a great show. It's a very challenging role. I mean, what is the most difficult role you've played? <laughs> I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know. The more difficult, you know, the more uh, you know. I'll say this. I think for me, the more the more difficult roles are the small roles. Mm. And I think it's because there's very little energy, and it's not attention, well, you know, attention's hard, but it's energy being placed your way and in your, in your integralness to the whole telling of the story. And you feel that. And I get, and you know, I'm not busting anybody's chops. I understand, you know, directors, you know, they have a thousand moving pieces, they have a thousand decisions. But when you are a guy who's got one or two tiny scenes, it it's hard to catch the rhythm. It's hard to um, find your character. Because even, you know, really, the guy holding the spear, and I notice it. Like, you know, when I see back, when I see a movie, if I see a background player with no intention, yeah. I go, it blows me up. You know what I mean? When you, when you, see, the, when you see the person walking like this. <laughs> right? I want the person walking through going, hey, you know, going, mm -hmm. going to a thing, doing the thing. And he really, and he, I mean, it's so, goes right back to the basics. I'm, you know, I'm going to pour that coffee. And I don't want to spill that, you know, it's just, it's supposed to. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? So those are the hardest ones. Because I think there's no one... No one cares. <laughs> yeah. I was just thinking too. You have worked with so many <sighs> different directors. We, you know, we mentioned Zack Snyder and um, Gary Marshall. You've also worked with Terry Gilliam, yeah. Wachowskis. What What do you like most from a director? Your style of working. Um, less is more. And that's what it boils down to, because the ones who give you a note, they'll be very clean. They'll be very specific and specific. And if they, and they have confidence in what they say, and it's almost as if they are giving you the credit for being smart enough to understanding their shorthand. Mm You know, a direct, like a director will go, okay, Chris. And I'll be like, I got it. I, got, I, got it. I know what that meant. I know what that was. Yeah. I know where, or they'll, they'll go, I think we need more. And if you need to say more what, that's okay. Mm-hmm. More, more what or more where, where more. And you can have it, but sometimes it'll be like, I need, I need more. I'll be like, Say no more. I got it. I know what you mean. Um, yeah. Um, we have a question from Michael D. Reynolds. Uh, way back there. Hi, Michael. Um, what do you enjoy most about your career? Uh, what do I enjoy most about my, my career? I feel as though it's been very uh, eclectic. I think it's been uh, very different. I think it is uh, still... Uh, not completely uh, satisfied or done. Um, so I still see a mountain that needs to be climbed. I uh, think it's um, uh, been uh, blessed, and uh, that uh, is a good. Uh, that's a good feeling. Mm-hmm. And what are you most recognized for? I mean, after all the years on SVU, I would think it would be that, but then there, people are very passionate about some of your other characters. Yeah, no, you know, uh, you, you can't beat 12 years uh, being uh, aired around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I'll say this, this was a great moment uh, being, I was, uh, I was on Oz and I was taking the subway from Charles de Gaulle to Orly Airport. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so sort of clickety-clack, clickety-clack. And it's very crowded. And I saw that I see this kid. I, see, I keep seeing this. <laughs> like that, behind something. It's out of the corner of my eye. So, you know, what, and so one time it peeks out one more time. And I go... And so, so he goes like this, he goes. <laughs> so for a second, it was yeah. Oz. I was going to say. For one second, in that's, France. <laughs> that's the response I expect if people are fans of Oz and see you, yeah. frankly. Yeah. Not, not, not the overly friendly ones. Uh-huh. Um, and also a question from Robert. Wants to know if there was ever a time when you felt like giving up. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, 
Uh, I've, I've often uh, said that, so I was in New York uh, at uh, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27. Uh, I like in uh, my 20, I was the loneliest person on the earth. That's what I have, um, that's how I felt. And I felt that, it's not that I was trying to get a foot in the door, I didn't know where the fucking door was. And I didn't, you know, from bad representation to just not knowing how to go about it. Um, and I, I was more stubborn because, you know, I got into the business doing this because once I commit, you know, this, this is just my character. When I commit to something, this is why I don't commit to too many things. Because <laughs> if I commit to something, that is it. And I said to myself, I will be an actor or I'll die trying. And I meant it. Mm -hmm. And all those years of my 20s, I remember going, I'd go and go visit someone, a friend of a friend or whatever, and they'd have a one-bedroom apartment. I remember looking around, <laughs> going, I could live here into my 50s. I could do that. You know, that's yeah. all I cared about, you know? And, uh, but so did I ever want to quit? Want to? Yes. I knew I never would. It was, it would always devolve into, I would have another, yet another bad audition and I would ye be yelling at myself in the mirror, like the worst coach you've ever had. <laughs> the one who wants to just flagellate you, just say, what the fuck are you doing? You can't continue to do this to yourself. You're killing yourself. I would go through all these. <laughs> go, go. You're crazy. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, stressful times. <laughs> stressful times demand stressful measures, I guess. <laughs> Are there any specific roles that you're really interested in playing or, or stories you want to tackle or people you want to work with? Um, well, Martin Scorsese, I've always wanted to work with. Uh, Thomas Anderson. Um, you know, I'll say this. I would love to. I'd love to work with those one, one of those up and comers. You know, I would like to catch a uh, be with a a kid mm -hmm. with a vision. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But where do you find those and you know know that they're talented and can pull it off? I don't know, and it's a different world. Yeah. I mean, you know, I was just talking. You know, the the film industry is is a very. I haven't figured that beast out yet because mm -hmm. it has morphed into a, a completely different animal. But consequently, I, you know, I'm very clear about the TV landscape. I just think it's the golden age and there's just so many opportunities. So, you know, who you want to work with, I think now has shifted very heavily towards what, uh, what showrunners slash head writers, what, you know, who are the TV visionaries? You know, not that film is dead by any stretch, but that it's just, it's a far more difficult beast to, to, to make and promote and, and get out there and make a buck. Well, uh, talking about film up-and-comers, I mean, you worked with Marielle Heller on Diary of a Teenage Girl. Mm -hmm. That's, that's she, pretty impressive. 
Have you seen that Diary of a Teenage Girl? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I swear to you, I urge you. Remember the movie, write it down, and, and watch it. I swear, I, I'm, not, I'm not selling you. That movie was profound. That movie, to me, was the biggest oversight for an Oscar nomination. This was a low-budget, Mariel Heller, first-time director, killed it. Her sense of, of, of actors and what they needed and how she wanted to tell the story and what the story was and the actors that she got, my God, it was... Um, that's one of those rare moments when uh, I walked away going, wow, that was such an honor mm -hmm. just to be with everyone and everything and, and what they were doing. I mean, you had good instincts on that one. What uh, made you say yes? They asked me. No, I, <laughs> and I read, <laughs> is his name Freak Show? I'll do it. <laughs> Uh, no, I read the script, yeah. and I thought the subject matter, which was the sexual awakening of a 13-year-old uh, girl in uh, 1970s San Francisco. You try making mm -hmm. 1970s San Francisco come alive on a low budget, and they did it in a very cha chaotic household. A and it was, uh, it was uh, uh, developed off of a graphic novel. So at any rate, uh, you, know, you knew. You knew on the page. You knew, uh, and she was the one who, who did the, uh, she wrote the script. Mm -hmm. So you knew she was so assured. She, yeah. she, she knew, um, she knew. So she found you because. Yes, she yes. did. Because <laughs> that is a very assured up and comer. <laughs> well, she knows David Wayne, who did uh, oh, really? Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. So I don't know if. Um, was that uh, how the script came to you, or no, no? But, I don't know. Maybe you put in a good word for me. And so, what's up next? You have this Amy Schumer movie. Are you you're shooting, getting ready to shoot that, or Amy Schumer? Yeah, going to Hawaii, uh, July, and then um, uh, Underground, second season. Set. That's why my hair is slicked, and that's why I'm. And, then, and I just heard they're going to do another um, Wet Hot American Summer. Are you up for that? Yeah. Revisiting Gene again? Yeah. <laughs> Still have the bandana in place? <laughs> Who do you play in the Amy Schumer movie? Um, I play a um, Indiana Jones type. <laughs> uh, rugged jungle man. Who's... <laughs> Great response. I'm buying it. <laughs> it's a drama. Wait, is it really a drama? No. Okay. <laughs> Relieved to be wrong. Uh, yeah, and so I'm going to help uh, Amy Schumer and her mom, Goldie Hawn. Oh, yes. That was my response. I was yeah. so happy. I went, oh my, it was one of these things where you go, where have you been? Yeah. We've missed you. Come on home. Be funny. I'm so excited. And I have, I have all my scenes are with both of them. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And again, really funny script. It was very difficult to get every moment meaningful and funny. Mm -hmm. That's, it's, it's, it's impossible. And yet that's, that's what you need, I think, today, especially. And it's what you need to drive a script. Every moment is just funny and, and insightful. Uh, what island are you shooting on? This I don't know. Oh, 
Well, when you find out, I will give you all the hot spots to go to. <laughs> well, again, congratulations on really, I mean, I, I was thinking about uh, the difference between Wet Hot American Summer and Underground in the same TV season mm-hmm. um, and how fantastic that is. Um, can't wait to see what you do next. Thank Thanks. you so much for being so generous. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the SAG After Foundation's Conversations podcast. If you appreciated what you heard, please support us with a review or donation and reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SAG After Found. We'd love to hear from you.